0: Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Good morning, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: Fine, thanks. Good to be here.
0: Yes, it is. You know, Dr. Jane, we've been discussing the many ways that we sabotage the best efforts to live healthy and whole and create the life that we want. In conversations with family and friends, it seems that the prevailing barrier is often the negative emotions that we carry day in and day out that continue to be that greatest energy drain. Let's take some time today to
1: explore these emotions. Sure, Anna. You know, this can certainly be a major source of our individual stuckness and our distress. You know, but I, I, I think we need to be clear on what we're talking about when we use the term emotions. You know, it's one of those words that we throw around frequently. And I wanna be sure that we're on the same page with our definitions. You know, emotions are often confused with the term feelings or moods, but these really are not interchangeable. And, you know, emotions tend to be um, what we call a bundle or a blend of the experiential uh, phenomena. You know, what what we're experiencing at the time and the physiological, which are the body sensations, and also it has behavioral elements involved in it. So this blend is so tightly woven that often we're not able to differentiate between the thoughts and the feelings, which are that experiential part of it, and the body sensations and the impulses. So emotions are really how we deal with matters and situations that we find important and that necessitate our attention and our energy. So the emotional experience tends to be very, very subjective. It's very, very personal. It's based on our interpretations, you know, our interpretations of the situation or the person. And remember, this is about our backstory. Oh, yes, the backstory, our, our history,
0: the conditioning of our past memories, beliefs, values from our
1: families. Churches, our schools, communities—the list goes on. All of that. That's exactly right, and the backstory plays out in our thoughts, that cognitive, um, conceptual process of naming and labeling our interpretation of the situation or the event. You know, and this triggers those neural, uh, physiological changes. You know, these are the the the, um, the mind body changes, and then this moves into that physiological response the body's actual response remember that our bodies believe everything we think so there's a direct link between thoughts and body sensations thoughts and and how the body responds and this plays out in our experience the experiential part which is what we call feelings this is our reactivity
0: so feelings are a biologically based combination of thoughts and the physical arousal and body sensations.
1: That's right. That's right. Thoughts plus as you say the body's arousal or the body's response to them. You know, so the feelings arise from our experience, that combination of the mind and the body and we're conscious of the experience. And because we're conscious of the experience, this can our feelings can be classified um, in the same category as hunger or pain. I mean, it's a real thing. They're, they're very real. And we experience them as being real. The process of uh, thoughts and feelings and body sensations energize and activates psychological states. These are very often referred to as moods. you know, and we can categorize them we do categorize these often as being good or bad, positive or negative, comfortable or uncomfortable. And our response to this process is directed toward the individual or the situation or the object and often accompanied by an impulse to do something. So this impulse may be enacted, we might actually do something, you know, or not. And think about, times when we've been in meetings, when we feel like screaming or we tend to, uh, we might feel like we want to walk out, but we don't. Therein lies the impulse. The behavioral response, this impulse is directly related to that internal emotional state.
0: I see. So this really points out how emotions are so much more than how we have thought about them in the past.
1: Yes, yes and and the research continues to study the manifestation of emotions and how our expression of them affects our overall health it was back in 1990 or that 1972 that a psychologist by the name of paul Ekman put together a list of what was considered at the time six universal multicultural emotions and they were things like uh, fear and disgust anger surprise happiness and sadness. And then in, in 1999, you know, the list was actually uh, enlarged. And it was in, uh, things like embarrassment, excitement, contempt, shame, pride, satisfaction, and even in amusement were included. So I also want to say that we don't always experience pure forms of emotion. Very often, it's a mixed bag. You know, mixed emotions regarding, you know, different events, situations in our lives is, is more common than not. You know, and think about uh, like entering into a new job. There's that excitement, but there's also a nervousness about how am I going to do and maybe a little apprehension. So very often it's a blend and, and research continues to gather information, you know, in the study of various kinds of emotions, you know, far too numerous for us to, to really go over here. So
0: the key is that emotion is that, combi- that emotion is that combination of thoughts and the body sensations, the feelings, and the impulses or behaviors that may or may not play out in action.
1: Correct. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the body sensations that that we're talking about may be more apparent than the thoughts behind them. You know, often often that's what we notice first. You know, that tension in my throat when I'm feeling the sadness arise or I'm feeling like I'm going to begin to to cry or that lurch in my stomach, you know, when anxiety arises or the palpitations of my heart, you know, when I'm feeling frightened, you know, these are those physiological reactions to the emotions caused by that autonomic nervous system. You know, that, that, that wiring within us, that older neurological, neurophysiological system So that's the
0: the primitive, the survival part of the brain that you've talked about that triggers that fight-flight
1: response. Right, right. And this is often the reason that we were kind of pulled to label emotions, good or bad, because they very often register comfort or discomfort. So are you suggesting that emotions aren't necessarily good or bad? Well, that's right. You know, I mean, clearly we have preferences, you know, yet the thoughts are kind of like that train of our mind that run 24-7. You know, feelings are are often, you know, they arise spontaneously and they're really outside of my control. Um, it's how we respond to them that's important, what we do next. I mean, sure, you know, we have preferences. It's quite natural that we want to, you know, avoid or escape discomfort. Um, kind of drown them out or, or push them away. however, sometimes this only creates more suffering I have this the, this quote that I love uh, by eckhart Tolle, where, where he he talks about the fact that that whatever we fight whatever you fight strengthens what you resist persists
0: mm-hmm. dr. jane i love I love that quote you know it's so easy to jump on the bandwagon of the inner judge and critic and feed into the negativity or to run away by distancing ourselves.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and the mind works overtime to keep itself comfortable, you know, which is, is why it's appealing to avoid or hide away from embarrassment, remorse, grief, anger, fear, rather than deal with it. You know, the, the mind opts for escape stuffing these painful experiences really perpetuates the long-term distress and deepens the emotional pain. You know, it takes courage to confront these uncomfortable negative emotions, you know, our worries, our guilt, our, our shame, you know, that they're taking up real estate in our head, really, our, you know, our psyche, you know, and, and they're alive and well, you know, and, and, and living rent-free within us. Okay, so now that's a frightening thought to me, Dr. Jane. <laughs> Let's talk a little more about the courage to change. Well, we spoke about courage at length in one of our episodes, you know, and and remember that it, it comes from the Latin root cur, which means heart. So courage is about really it's about keeping an open heart, which directs us to conscious choice. That's our one of our favorite. Pieces on it's conscious choice, you know, which is doing the next right thing, aligning, you know, with our best and highest selves. So, so it's a tough path because we have to really face into the negative emotions, along with our conditioned responses, our intentions, and quite frankly, the possibility that we we may not be right, you know. And many opt out of this. You know, because it's too uncomfortable, so they they anchor themselves in justifying their reactivity, giving lip service or or um, uh, to owning their negative thoughts or feelings, but really not really not moving it forward in any productive or positive way. But you know, we're not here to judge that. You know, what we're here to do is to suggest that there's another choice, another choice, a different choice that allows for change in our internal. Uh, experience, our internal world, and also our view of the external world. You know, we're talking about accessing another choice uh, that, that allows us to begin reframing negative emotions, you know, as an opportunity really to learn something new and to grow. You know, and with this new mindset, retraining and rewiring the brain becomes a real possibility. You know, remember the brain has a negative bias in the first place. It's primed to focus on potential danger. And yet we're also part of that system is neuroplasticity which makes change possible. Retraining the brain doesn't just stop the negative thoughts and emotions, you know, but but really allows us to put them, you know, in their proper place. You know, what we're looking to do is shift our response. Shift our response as necessary you know, to whatever the emotion is that arises. So we're not trying to
0: control what's coming up, but actively dealing with the emotions as they arise and
1: focusing on what to do next. Well, that's exactly right. You know, so what we want to create is an emotional reset. You know, this requires that we start with present moment awareness, as we've talked about so often in the past. This supports that that natural um, following of active inquiry to really begin to move us toward acceptance and, and ex- acceptance um, by looking closely at what's happening and digesting and metabolizing the emotion, you know, its history, its purpose, you know, and, and reframing the emotion and ultimately letting it go.
0: Well, I'm ready when you are, Dr. Jane.
1: Well good. Well I think at first it's important, you know, to realize that we're outlining a healing process. So we want to hold our emotions as lessons, really lessons on a path to our highest selves. You know, we're committed to have these lessons focus on cultivating the best version of ourselves and moving us forward. So we're not going to get stuck in the in the shoulds or the judgment or the criticism. You know and this also is part of what changes within us you know and the neuroplasticity within us allows for these changes this rewiring so once again we start with the breath we're we're it's it's the breath is moving us toward the present moment awareness that allows us to deepen into the what's and the whys of our experience so this is our classic turning toward whatever is arising and starting with the breath. Yes, it is. So we're moving through the process. And first we want to, after we've, we've taken that, that moment to focus on the breath, we're in this place where we're stopping, we're pausing. And as we breathe, allowing ourselves to have full awareness of whatever the experience or the feeling is that we're having in that moment. You know, whether it be anger or shame, guilt or fear. So really pausing as we breathe. We're acknowledging the feeling. We're we're not in a rush. We're identifying the multiple sides to it. So it's really allowing us to take time to turn it around to kind of see the different dimensions of it see what it's about and not masking it, not masking ourselves at all from it and looking at what has happened to cause it you know accepting that this has happened you know it's what it is you know it can't be taken back and allowing ourselves to understand the feelings that want to come up you know that 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 not to hide them within ourselves, but to really allow them to move up. And and sometimes talking to ourselves, you know, some gentle, supportive self-talk, I can accept this. This is what I'm experiencing in in this moment. And this gentleness and self-compassion allows us to hold the feelings in our awareness. As we notice the body sensations, what's happening in my body. If it's feeling uncomfortable, we breathe into the discomfort staying as open as we can by holding the feeling, breathing into it, we're not the emotion. The emotion is moving through us. And the key is to allow it to continue to move through it as we examine it gently and compassionately. So in this movement, we're also recognizing the impermanence of the emotion. You know, noticing that it's not going to last forever, allowing it to rise and fall, Like the waves on an ocean, or very often we use the analogy of clouds across the sky, always moving, always changing. I am the witness to it. I'm the observer self, you know, allowing the thoughts and the feelings, you know, to be wherever they are. And they might pull me back into wanting to justify it or go over the memory that caused it. And just allowing that to happen, but all the while maintaining this neutral position of being the watcher and allowing all the mental events that want to pull at me to also move across the sky of the mind, you know, breathing into and with the movement. And very often there, there comes a point in time where it's where we want to self-reflect, you know, what actually happened? You know, were we trapped in a downward spiral? You know, do, have we tried to justify this feeling? You know, and, and did we respond rashly? you know, which may have caused even more bad things to happen, you know, in my reactivity. And this allows us to turn toward that backstory, our beliefs, our values, our judgments on how we should behave or why I should respond. If if someone is um, somehow um, feels like they're coming up against me or offending me, you know, and again, stay with the breath, stay open in the way that I'm I'm looking at this, you know, and to really begin to ask, is there another way that I could respond? Is there a lighter way, a more loving way? And sometimes just moving into this area dissipates the negativity. But it's clearly important that as I stay in this, it's trusting myself, my highest self, to do the next right thing, to take the right action. And we might have to do this kind of examination, you know, multiple times. To be truly ready to get to, to to release the emotions.
0: Well, this is quite a, a loving process and includes so many of the elements that we've talked about in the past. What else do we want to do for ourselves so that we might stay with this important and intense process?
1: Well, the process can be very intense, Anna. You know, so self-care is going to be an imperative as always and this includes our usual self-care routine and it might be we want to consider a few additional suggestions, you know, like creating space between, you know, ourselves and that person or situations that's the source of our distress while we go through this healing process, you know, if that's possible. You know, it's also important that we're doing our own work, you know, that, that we're learning how to take responsibility for ourselves and how we react. That we're learning how to rewire and reframe, you know, what's happening and and, and looking at our uh, backstory and seeing which parts are tripping us up. This requires us to focus on ourselves, focus on the breath, do mindful practices, you know, um, always being willing to inquire into my part of the issue, am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution and really being honest with ourselves about that. The self-care also requires us to be gentle and loving, release judgment and comparisons. You know, the self-compassion is an absolute must and allowing the negative emotions to flow, to let them keep moving through us, you know, not to shut down that process by avoiding and also to accept the fact that others may not apologize you know they might not even meet us halfway so it's surrounding ourselves as best we can with positive nourishing people you know but not people who are going to help us justify inappropriate behavior you know there's a real difference in that there is and sometimes we have to seek professional help you know mm-hmm. but it's giving ourselves permission to to move through this healing process and and to let go of some things and maybe even the possibility of forgiving at some point in time.
0: Yes, there's so much to consider here, Dr. Jane. This is truly a process for learning and accepting and growing into the best version of ourselves.
1: Well, yes, yes. And and with that in mind, you know, I'd like to end our, our conversation with a poem by Rumi, you know, he was a 13th century Sufi poet. And this poem really captures the mindful acceptance, you know, that gives us a choice, you know, and with that new choice, you know, that conscious choice, we can actually change our fate. So this is, this is Rumi's The Guest House. And he says, this being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness becomes an unexpected visitor welcome and entertain them all even if they are the crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture still treat each guest honorably he may be clearing you out for some new delight the dark thought the shame the malice meet them at the door laughing invite them in be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes, that does a lovely job of summing it up. Thank you, Dr. Jane. Thank you, Anna. Until our next conversation.